the skill of hosting is something that nobody ever teaches us. We think that it has to be somebody like Marnie who grew up in a big family and that people like her are born, not made. And nobody ever teaches you, you know, she was lucky to learn through her parents and through family, but many people just don't grow up like that. They're like, I didn't grow up in a hosting. I guess I'm not a host. And that's not true. What I've found by helping hundreds of people is that this is a skill that can be learned and you can be the person in your community who gathers and brings people together. Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dachis-Marmet. We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Hello, and welcome back to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm looking out my window right now, and it's blue skies and sunny. It's a little cool, but I'm looking at the buds on the trees and buds in the ground, and it's just making me so happy. I can't believe it is the end of April. I truly don't know where the time is going, but I'm excited that we're in springtime now and we're moving into summer, and today's guest is just the perfect, this is the perfect time to have him come on. We are going to be talking with Nick Gray, and Nick is an entrepreneur and also a best-selling author. He's currently living in Austin, Texas, and he is the author of the book, The Two-Hour Cocktail Party, a step-by-step handbook that teaches you how to build big relationships by hosting small gatherings. And as we go into spring and summer, it's so fun to have gatherings. And we loved this conversation with Nick because he really talks about how to host your gathering. It doesn't need to be fancy. It doesn't need to be expensive. And it doesn't need to be something stressful. He gives so many tips. He outlines exactly how to plan, what to do at the gathering. And he is just a plethora of information. And I loved hearing about how he got into this because he actually, well, he'll tell his story, but, you know, he did not start out as, you know, the well-connected friend that knows how to throw parties and introduce people to everyone. And we are just so excited to dive into this conversation today with Nick. And also a quick reminder that if you're enjoying this podcast, we would so appreciate if you would head on over to Apple Podcast and give us a rating and review and share our episode with a family or friend that you think would love the episode. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Good Health Saunas. I have had my Good Health Sauna for over a year now, and you guys, I love it so much. From the moment of purchase to the delivery and setup, Good Health Sauna staff, they've been absolutely amazing. They've answered all my questions. They did a great job with the setup. And I have started this routine where I'm working out in the morning, I'm taking a sauna, I'm showering, I'm refreshed, and I feel great for the day. And I just feel relaxed during the day. I'm sleeping better at night. And I feel like I'm really adding to my overall health and happiness. And I'm also removing toxins from my body and I feel amazing. Infrared saunas produce penetrating heat to help you sweat and heal your body from the inside. Sweating on a regular basis in your good health sauna can help you feel rejuvenated. There are so many health benefits of regular infrared sauna use that include detoxification, immune system support, muscle repair, chronic pain relief, relaxation, deeper sleep, and so much more. I've been using my sauna now regularly for the last several weeks and love how relaxed I feel, especially when I do it in the evening as part of my routine. It really helps me unwind from the day and improve my sleep. So why not bring the benefits and convenience of the sauna experience into your home with a commercial grade Good Health Sauna? Good Health Sauna has three stores, one at the Mall of America in Minnesota and two in Wisconsin. 
in Appleton and Waukesha, but they ship anywhere in the U.S. For more information on the various sizes and options and for your special offer for all of our listeners, head on over to their website, www.goodhealthsauna.com and mention the Art of Living Well podcast. Hi, Nick. Marty and I are so excited to have you on our show today to discuss what's a somewhat lighter, but still really impactful and important topic about how to build big relationships with small gatherings. And we just love meeting people who are sharing their knowledge and inspiring people to live well. And we really believe that building relationships and community is such an important component to having a healthy and meaningful life. So thank you for joining us today. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, great. Well, before we dive right into sort of the nuts and bolts of the interview, we'd love for you to share what is your one non-negotiable to start every day? You know, I try to get some sunlight and go outside. I'm not always the best at it, but I drink a warm cup of low caffeine green tea. And I try to do it standing outside just to wake up. I'm usually a little bit groggy and I know I'm not supposed to drink caffeine right away in the morning, but I do it. And it's a way for me to get sunlight in my eyes to just help me wake up a little more naturally. That's something I've been wanting to do too, but it's so hard where we live in Minnesota. Yes. Yeah. It can be hard. I live in um, Austin, Texas. I used to live in New York for 13 years and I would go out there even bundled up in a jacket, but I've just heard so many benefits of even if it's overcast to get outside in that light, something about the difference of the light into your eyes, helping your body naturally wake up. That's absolutely true. And it's the same thing in the evening, like just getting used to that dark so your body can start to, you know, get into a more sleep phase. So, Nick, we're really excited to hear about your story. And we know that you went from, I don't want to say having a few friends, but not being maybe the most social person to all of a sudden becoming an, not all of a sudden, but over time, becoming an expert in hosting these impactful cocktail parties that help people build relationships. And can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I moved to New York about 15 years ago. It's kind of an intimidating city to move to if you don't have a lot of friends, which I didn't. I worked for most of my 20s in a family business and I was working six or seven days a week. I loved my job, but I had no social life, no romantic life, really not friends. And I said, I need to make a drastic change to try to get some social skills. And I moved to New York and basically I would go out to nightclubs or networking events, trying to meet people and just leave very unhappy, uh, feeling like a failure that I didn't do well at these loud bars and clubs and networking events, feeling like there was something wrong with me almost. And I decided that instead of going to bad events, I would learn how to host my own good event. That instead of going to these party on the outside, I would bring the party to me. And so through a couple of years and hundreds of parties experimenting, I think I finally figured out a formula that I've now helped hundreds of other people learn to make new friends, build big relationships, and even sometimes boost their career. That's awesome. You know, it's so cool that you did that because this is a little bit unusual, right? Like how many people just decide, oh, I don't like the bar scene, so I'm going to host it, host a party myself and come up with a way to fulfill yourself. Like you had a need for friends and connections. And when the one option that was that's really most prevalent in our society, going to some sort of networking event or a bar, didn't feel good to you, you took the initiative and the matters in your own hands. So kudos to you. Very cool. Thanks. Thanks very much. I certainly made a lot of mistakes along the way. And then I started to pass my advice. You know, it started as a Google Doc that just got shared amongst friends for years with all the little tips and tricks I learned. And then a friend of mine moved to Little Rock, Arkansas from New York. And he said, I don't know anybody here. Literally moved here for his wife's family. And he said, how can I start to host parties to build up a social network? And that's when it really started to turn into more of a book for me. Yeah. And how do you how do you decide that they're parties versus like networking events? Because I what what do you like? How do you define it as different from a networking event? I think that they are definitely parties and I always call them a cocktail party. 
But because you two are very business savvy and your listeners are business savvy as well, I do want to acknowledge the networking aspects that people use. Frankly, is there selfish motivation? that I'd really like to connect with other people in my industry, or I'd really like to have a peer group of other founders or um, podcast hosts, um, influencers. There are certain listeners that that is their driving reason. You know, if I shared a book that was just called How to Make Friends, the reality is there's very few people that would want to be seen reading a book like that. They're they're sort of self-conscious, right? And And yet it is harder than ever for adults to make new friends. And what I've found is that some of the best business connections I've made started in the acquaintance phase, Mm -hmm. turned into friendships, and eventually then we work together. So I'm going to use those terms interchangeably. But I also think that networking events have gotten a bad rap, right? And for good reason. Many times they feel very transactional and people are only there to figure out what they can get for them. A better corollary maybe for what these parties feel like is maybe speed dating for new friends. What do you guys think about that? Does that fit or is that bad? I mean, it doesn't appeal to me, but yeah, it's like like a step up from networking only because I have PTSD. It's it's almost worse than networking. It's worse. (laughs) Yes. In my opinion. Yes. 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 I'm I'm running the other way if I'm hearing speed dating. Yes. Because right, if you're not looking to again. date, then it just, I don't know. And even with friendships, like, I guess I want it to be a little more organic than that. Like, that feels really contrived to me personally. Yes. Um, I'd rather go to a party, like you're saying, and maybe there's a few people there that I want to get to know better, and I'll go out of my way to get to know them. But I, when you say speed dating, I'm like picturing you know, sitting at a long table and everybody's rotating every three minutes, selling themselves, basically. That is such good feedback. I think you're right. The idea of naturally going to a party where you can meet and talk to seven to 10 new people, maybe you'll be interested in creating friendships with two or three of them who you want to go deeper with later. That's exactly what these parties are for your guests. The reason that your guests are going to love this type of an event, a two-hour cocktail party, is because they'll get to meet so many new people. And I think all great relationships, like I said, start in the acquaintance phase. And so my events are specifically designed with a lot of structure so that guests can meet a lot, a lot, a lot of new people. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe we just dive in and start talking about like what sets your cocktail party apart, this two hour cocktail party. And there's a specific, you know, reason why it's two hours. Why is it more meaningful than the typical? Maybe we can just dive into some of those details a bit more. Yes, 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 yes. I want to ask though, um, if I can flip the question on both of y'all, because yeah. y'all are like super connectors in your community. Can you <laughs> tell me uh, your hosting experience over the last six months? Have you hosted something? Um, and if you have, what do you host and what worked really well about it? Well, I'll answer first for that. So I grew up in a family of hosters. Like I have a big family and it is required that we host family functions and it's they're big. So I've, my parents are hosters. So I've always been one to host things. Usually I do more like fall, summer and the winter. I'm not as into hosting big things just because I don't know, it's winter. But I will say that like sometimes I feel pressure to host at a certain level that I don't necessarily want to. Like I sometimes I just want to like do a gathering that's casual. But then I feel like, oh, it's almost like not that I'm being judged, but like I'm expected to host something like Stephanie was saying, you know, Martha Stewart, beautiful or whatever it is. And I, I don't always want to do that. So that's kind of where I struggle. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that, Marnie, because that is real, that pressure and the expectation. I talked to a chef, his name is Jerry in Washington, DC, who read my book. And he said, as a chef, everyone always expects that I'm going to have incredible food. And that expectation of Jerry's a chef, the food's going to be amazing, made him only host like once a year because he said it felt like work. It didn't Uh feel fun. 
I felt like so much work. And he said, your book gave me the permission to host an easier gathering. For the first time ever, I felt like I didn't have to cook food. I didn't have to serve this. And we'll talk about that later. But I'm glad that you acknowledge that there's a pressure or an expectation for many people, especially established hosts, of what you think the people want and expect. And that's real, right? Yep. And I think my experience would be similar similar but different than Marnie. So I didn't come up with a big family that hosted, but my husband and I do host and usually more in the summer and he loves to cook and he's a really good cook. And so we say we're going to have like three things and he'll all of a sudden go to the shopping and he wants to make six and they're all amazing and delicious, but then it's stressful because it's more work, it's more time, it's, you know, all the things. And so I love this concept because it is like simple, straightforward, The other thing too, that I tend to do a lot is I'll just have girlfriends come over like three, four or five. And it's, you know, and I do that, but I'm not good about inviting the barista or inviting the person that Mm. you just met at your kid's school, potentially, or an event. So, and I think what happens, maybe Barney and I are both in Minnesota. I'm not from here, but I've lived here 12 years. Is there this, this concept of Minnesota nice? And, you know, there are sayings that say people in Minnesota are gonna like, you know, they may invite you to their house, but they're not going to give you their address. You know, So we're not always opening and welcoming to invite new people. And that's where I mm. kind of struggle. And that's really what I liked about when I was reading your book is I started, my wheel started spinning about how, who else can I invite? You know, you do meet people one off and you have a good conversation and then you like never see them again. Or maybe you run into them, but it's like in a random lo- spot or location. So how can we all get out of our little bubble of who we invite and I actually had an idea for Marnie and I to do something for the podcast. You know, we have a lot of local guests who've been on our show, but are local within like a 20, 15 mile radius, 10 mile radius. Like that would be kind of a cool concept to invite all of our local guests together. You know, maybe some I know each other, but they, that idea. they all have the commonality so that they've fun. been a guest on our podcast. So I really want to do this. I mean, we can, uh, you know, dive in and you can kind of go back to the the question that we initially asked, but it definitely had me thinking when I was reading your book and researching for this interview, even the people that are comfortable hosting like Marnie and myself, we don't always do what you're suggesting. Well, and the other thing I want to mention, like going back to the two hour thing, which I struggle with because it's like you do put in work. I know you say it doesn't have to be work, but it is work. Like you're cleaning your house, like you're there's work involved in hosting, right? There's planning work. So like, I don't want it to only be two hours. If I'm going to put in all that time and work, I want it to be a fun party that people are going to stay. And so I I guess I want to hear more on what you have to say about that. Great. So I'll talk about that specifically first, and then I'll talk about if it's okay. I'll just briefly say like what happens at my parties and what this formula. Uh So first your idea that like, I don't want it to just be two hours. I'm going to put in all this work. That's normal. And that's natural because you want to enjoy the party, right? Um, And you want to get something out of it. I have found here's the problem. The problem is that I can write a book that will tell you the best four hour party with cooking and catering. And it'll be the best party that you ever host. And then you know what will happen? You'll never do it again. (laughs) Yeah. (gasps) Because it's the same reason that I hear from both of you. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And something else comes up and takes priority. Something else comes up that you keep putting it off. You say, oh, we really should have those people over. Oh, we we really should, but it's just not a priority. Okay. And so what I have found is that the people that get the best results from hosting are the ones that can make hosting a habit. Mm-hmm. And in order to make hosting a habit, mm-hmm. I need to give you a formula or a framework that you can go to bed early and you can wake up the next morning feeling happy, satisfied and refreshed and energized, not drained. Yeah. When you were saying this two hour in my mind, I was already thinking the benefits are that I can be cleaned up and in bed at my normal time, not midnight, one in the morning, which often happens. And then I'll wake up feeling refreshed and I won't have lost half the day. So you, those two things right there are actually, you had me at sleep. (laughs) The other reason I'm going to tell you just because I'm excited that we do this two hour thing is because you're going to host this party only on a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday night. Now, I already see you both (laughs) having some questions and I'm going to tell you why. 
And we can also speak about how this works with families and with parents, with kids and how we deal with childcare. But when you host on a Monday, a Tuesday or Wednesday night, by only doing it two hours, you show people that this is not a crazy blowout of a party. This isn't a heavy drinking party. This is like a casual pop in. It's like a book club. It's like a book club. It's a lightweight social gathering where people know. And I get that comment. Oh, my gosh. Like, how much do people drink? People don't actually drink and eat that much food. We drink and eat when we're bored. I would rather have someone leave my party hungry than bored. Okay. And so many people spend all the time on the food and not enough on the conversations and connections. And that's why I think we're getting hosting wrong right now. Our friends are adults that can feed themselves. No offense. But what they can't do is meet these other friends and create the connections. And that's what's going to make your parties. That's what's going to help Stephanie and Marnie to be known as these super connectors. When you host a meetup for your former guests in town, you will be seen as a super connector. You'll start getting introduced to other people. Oh my gosh, you have to meet such and such. They, they'd be an amazing guest. You're going to, it's crazy what the benefits are that come from hosting. People start to naturally introduce you to new people and it's super wild. So I'll pause there because I'm talking a lot, but anything stick out to you in what I just said? Well, I'm just thinking, Stephanie, we are going to do it. We're going to, yes. we're going to do it. Maybe we'll do two a year even. Yes. And we'll just become those super connectors. Cause I love that idea. I love the and idea. I, I think yeah. thinking about it on like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's not necessarily like, you know, I'm turning 50 and I'm thinking about having a party. That's going to be a party. It's not going to be a two hour event on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So those are, those are different things, right? Are like, you, you're not turning 50. I thought you, I thought we we're all like the same age. Really? Yeah. Well, I want to be, your age. Like, if, if you're, if you're under 50, actually, I want to be your age. Yeah. When this drops, I'll be 50. <laughs> Y'all look great. I need to know your skincare routines, please. Yeah. Can we talk afterwards? <laughs> oh, but that idea you. of hosting is super huge and getting your friends together. So like there are a lot of things that I'm going to share and I want you to give me feedback on the ones that don't seem natural. And then I'm going to speak about why I've found through my experiments, why I think they work. For example, my formula is the Nick formula. So think about my name, mm-hmm. N-I-C-K. N stands for name tags. Everyone at your party is going to wear a name tag. Now in Minnesota, you may be rolling your eyes. You may be saying, that's ridiculous. Why would I have name tags at my house? What I have found is that even though both of you are extroverted and socially savvy, a lot of people who come to parties are not. They are introverts. They are shy. Frankly speaking, a lot of people have social anxiety. And we don't understand as people who present as extroverts, what the experience is like to go to a party as an introvert, as someone who's shy, as someone with social anxiety. And what I have found through all my tests is that setting the expectations helps those people give a little bit of confidence. And we do that in multiple ways, but one of them is the name tags to show that this isn't a party of clicks. Okay, this isn't going to be a party and you're walking into my mom's group. Or you're walking into like my tennis club and, oh, that's that group. Name tags serve as a visual unifier that everybody's on the same team. And it's a safe space to go create new conversations. And I hear from people like, oh, like I know all my friends' names. Well, it's not about you. It's about Jennifer bringing her husband, Brad, and she's dragged Brad out of the house. And it's like a big deal for him to come to the event. The name tags help him to feel more comfortable. I don't know anybody's name to make those plus ones feel included by having these name tags is really, really important. So that's the end on the name tags. I'll pause there. Feedback or thoughts on the name tags so far. Well, I mean, initially I'm like, oh, name tags, it feels formal, but I have been in events where it is nice to have them. And as someone who has a really hard time remembering names, I'll remember what you're wearing your kids' names, what where you went to school, but I will not remember your name. So I like the name tag because then if I say bye to someone at the end of the night, I'm not like, oh shit, what was their name? I met them two hours ago. I can just say, oh, bye, Sarah. You know. So I, yeah. I, I'm warming up to it. When I first was reading the book, I was a little like, eh, seems formal, but I'm open. I like it. Thoughts, Marnie? I'm not sure. Like I think it depends on the on the setting. 
right? Like if it's, if we're bringing a bunch of podcasters together in that kind of setting, I think that's great. I think it's super important. If it is a group of your 10 close friends. Yes. Then I, I don't know that I would need the name tags. Yeah. But I think the point is Nick, that these parties are not just your 10 close friends. Right. And you can get into that. That's exactly a little bit more. So that's the difference. Yeah. Right. And that's like such a Minnesota thing, right? Because we, in this, I think it's very Minnesota. Like I, I'm born and raised here. I haven't lived here my whole life, but I've been here for a long time. And you get set in your people and don't always branch out. Even if I love meeting new people and want to branch out, I just don't because I get lazy and it's easy. Yes, me too. You're not, that is a very normal thing. And people listening or watching us on YouTube right now, probably feel the same thing. They say, yeah, I have my set friends. I'm happy with them. But they also may be thinking, but what else could be out there? How could life be different if I had a different period? If I just had a couple more friends who inspired, encouraged, and challenged me in new ways, mm-hmm. they may be thinking, I'm getting older and now is the time that I want more friends. When in reality, for many people, as they get older, they have less friends. And so that's the purpose of these parties is you're going to invite what I call your core group first. Mm-hmm. And that's five to 10 of your close friends. Okay. And you're going to get the yeses from those people first. And the book speaks about this, but basically you have to invite them first. And many people make this mistake. They just mass email and evite out to everyone and then sit back just praying that people will say <laughs> yes. Please come. Please come. <laughs> please come. Right. But in my book, I talk about using a double opt-in sequence and the double opt-in is simple. Say that Marnie is one of my best friends. I text Marnie, hey, Marnie, me and my partner are thinking about having a party in three weeks on Tuesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. at our house. If we do it, would you come? Note those phrases. You're going to use that phrase for your core group. If we do it, would you come? You're going to get the yeses from at least five people in your core group, those five will give you the confidence to know that even if nobody else shows up, my five will be there and we'll have fun and we can drink wine and chill. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so those five are your core group, but then you're going to reach out to this group that I call your great guests. That's that parent that you've seen at school at the carpool line or anything. And you always say we should hang out, but you never do. It's going to be your neighbor three doors down that you always see when you're out walking the dog, but they've never been over. You don't really know them very well. You're, I see Marnie smiling. Do you have people like that? I, I, I do. I have some neighbors that have said multiple times, we should get together and we never have. <laughs> and that group of those people that we should get together is normal to not meet up with them because you're busy and your schedule is busy. But what I found was a two hour cocktail party allows me to go through life collecting people into this, what I call a friendship funnel. And I'm not going to write about this or say it officially on the record because it sounds transactional, but the idea that I'm meeting people and I meet them once, but then what happens? How can I see them again? I now have an easy go-to, which is to say, Hey, me and my girlfriend host these happy hours. Can I get your info? Can I send you the details of the next one? Because here's the secret. Everyone wants to be invited to a party. Yep. Very true. Everyone wants to be invited. And after inviting thousands of people to parties, I found that the invitation from just meeting someone for a few minutes, just saying to them something like, Hey, I host a podcast. I meet all these really interesting people here in town. I'm hosting a party with my girlfriend, Marnie. Can I send you the info the next time we have it? The purpose of the party is just to meet new people, mix, mingle, super casual. And everybody says yes to that. And so that's incredible, right? So that's the purpose of this. I hope that's helping to like understand why there's name tags, because you are going to have your core group, but then you're bringing in others to your world and to your circle. The I stands for um, icebreakers, N-I-C-K, and his name tags, I is icebreakers. You're going to run two and a half rounds of icebreakers. And if you're cringing already, just let me explain what they are and why we do them. First, I'll start with the why. Okay. It is very hard for adults to make new friends. And as we've mentioned, if we're left to our own devices at a party, we'll talk to our friends. We use the time at a party to catch up with the people we know. And I do it all the time. 
because it's comfortable because it's easy and it just feels safe and secure. Okay. I also know that at that party, there are interesting people that I would probably like to meet, but it's just left up to me to go up and randomly make small talk and find them. Okay. And frankly, at least half the time, I'm not interested in talking to them. And so I have to go through a lot of these forced conversations to find the people that I really want to talk to. Maybe it's someone who shares the same hobbies, has kids the same age, or works in my same business industry. We're going to do two and a half rounds of icebreakers at the party as a little bit of a roll call for people to say who they are, what they do, and what they're into. To give your guests a conversational crutch to go and meet somebody new. And so the icebreakers, I think icebreakers get a bad rep because a lot of people do them wrong. Having led thousands of icebreakers, I know how to do them right. And here's what I found. A good icebreaker, number one, is a fast icebreaker. It has to move fast. There's no follow-up questions, people going on. It moves fast. Next, a good icebreaker doesn't put people on the spot. It doesn't make them tense up, freeze, and get sort of anxious. You know, there's one that's like, let's go and say two truths and a lie, right? That's a terrible icebreaker. (laughs) I hate that icebreaker. I was at a friend's party. He had a dinner party in Denver. Amazing house, incredible. And for some reason, he's like, let's go around, say your name, say what you do for work and say your first kiss. Tell us about your first kiss. And I was like, Sasha, that's terrible. That's awkward. Yeah. Why do you want to know that? (laughs) The icebreaker that I like is, Go around, let's say our name, say what we do for work or how we spend our days, right? If you're looking for work, let us know so we can help you out as well. And then say one of your favorite things to eat for breakfast. What's one of your go-to things that you like to eat for breakfast? And I'll tell you why this works. Number one, because it's easy to think about. Because that day, like everybody chose to eat or not eat their breakfast. Number two, it's quick to think about and quick to answer. Number three, it shares and expresses a little bit about somebody's personality, okay? You'll be able to tell if they're a chef, if they're super healthy, if they just have coffee, those people are crazy. (laughs) That's me. But then the fourth thing is, is that it's not definitive and there's very little judgment about what you have for breakfast. And many people are worried about being judged on their answer to an icebreaker. So they spend all this time thinking of the most creative, best answer. And they get in their head and they're not listening. Okay. Mm-hmm. With breakfast, you know, there's no judgment. So that's one of the icebreakers I do at the beginning of an event where there's no rapport. The purpose of that icebreaker is just to get people talking, just get them saying who they are, what they do, and a bit about their personality. Later on, once people are warmed up, maybe they've had a drink, they're a little bit looser. Then about an hour later, you'll do the last icebreaker, which is a value additive icebreaker. And this is going to make the whole room feel smarter. And you'll be seen as an incredible host. That icebreaker question, the one that I like to use the most is, say your name, say what you do for work. We say that as every part of the icebreaker, by the way. And then share with the room a great recommendation about some media that you've consumed recently. It could be a documentary you watched. It could be a movie you saw on Netflix. should be a TV show you binged or a book that you read but share just something that you've consumed recently that you would recommend. I give the room a five minute warning for this question in case some people want to think about it. But the reason that this icebreaker works is that everybody gets ideas of new recommendations and they'll end up leaving your party with all these new ideas, feeling smarter, having met these people. And they'll literally say, Marty, you hosted the best event. That was amazing. And you're like, gosh, I just had name tags and icebreakers. Like I didn't even have any food. How's that the best party? So I'll pause there because I've been on like my soapbox on icebreakers. What do you think? How would you modify this for your town? What do you feel so far? And now a quick shout out to our sponsor, Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than three grams of sugar per serving. I discovered Organifi about three years ago and fell in love with the gold chocolate blend, which I enjoy in the evenings. I love that it contains ashwagandha, which reduces stress and supports a healthy cortisol level. And it really gives me that fix when I want something chocolatey or sweet in the evening. 
And it's perfect and nice and calming before bed. And I'm really enjoying the Organifi green juice, which has a ton of superfoods in it. And it's so much easier than juicing. And it's also great if you struggle to get your greens in. Each Organifi blend is easy to use by simply mixing it with water. It's great on the go and there's no compromise in quality for taste. Organifi takes great pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods too by heading over to Organifi.com slash livingwell. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash livingwell and use our code livingwell for 20% off your entire order. It reminds me of summer camp. <laughs> yeah. When I used to, great. I was a camp counselor for a lot of years and it just, we, I mean, that's what you do with the campers on day one. That's what it reminds yes. me of. And who doesn't love summer camp? I mean, whether you went or not, the thought of that actually probably brings back fond memories yeah. for a lot of people. No, I, I agree. Like it kind of makes you, you feeling a kid again, or, you know, like you do that in a lot of like younger, like earlier in life, but you do it when you work for a new company. I've done it at work and things like that. This is another one. But how long I was like, ago was that? Right. Like how long ago? Well, like I, I can't tell you the last time I participated in an icebreaker. Like, I'm just trying to think about it. I really can't. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and some people hate them because they get forced to do them on these Zoom meetings and it's awkward. And I oh. think that I icebreakers like get a bad rep because of Zoom. Maybe. Yeah. Just can't think of any at the moment. So I've done thousands and I've written out in my book two whole chapters on the way to do an icebreaker, which since you're both advanced hosts, I'll tell you right now, the number one thing, and it seems obvious, but the host goes first. The host goes first to model the behavior of how <laughs> you want the others yeah. in order to do it. The host then asks permission to the person to their left or right for whether they can go that way and then tells the group, we're going to go around this way. To an anxious person, the most terrifying thing is thinking that I'm going to be randomly called upon. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so telling the group, all right, I will go first. And then Jennifer, can we go to you next? Jennifer, most likely will say yes, but they say no. Then I turn to the left. And then Rob, can we go to you next? Rob says yes. They say, great. I'll go first. Then Rob will go. We'll go around the circle this way. You then repeat it again. Here's what we're going to say. Name what you do for work. And one of your favorite things to eat for breakfast. And you tell the group the why. Now, that's important. You say, the reason why we're doing this is the reason why we're hosting this party. We both know so many interesting people here in town. Frankly, it's hard to meet people sometimes. We're getting older and we stick to our certain groups. But this town has so many amazing people. We're going to do this icebreaker so it's an excuse for you to go meet somebody new. And then you start the icebreaker. So telling people that why... One thing I found, I'm just, I'll be done speaking about the name tags and icebreakers, but I want to say when you tell people in advance that you will be having name tags and icebreakers, when it's part of the invitation, when it's part of the um, RSVP, when you mention it in your reminder messages, you remove 99% of any hesitation. Hmm. Now, when people will speak up and give you shit about it, is if you don't tell them there's name tags and they show up to the party and surprise there's name tags and icebreakers. That's, that's when people are a little bit surprised and hesitant to them. But in every one of my um, outreach messages, inviting someone, I let them know, I say, Hey, there'll be name tags because I'm bad with names and we'll do a round or two of icebreakers to help us meet some new people. It's that setting expectations to let people know how to be successful. So I'll shut my mouth. I've been talking too much. I was a little bit hesitant about this when I read the book, but when you explain why and you talk about putting it in the evite, that takes a little bit of like the almost anxiety as a host to do these things. And yes. it helps people get a little uncomfortable, which is good. Like you want them to be uncomfortable from the standpoint of trying something new, stepping outside their boundaries. So anyway, we can, we can proceed. And that idea of being uncomfortable, by the way, I think you actually need to remove some seating. 
a lot of people say, oh, I could never host those at my house. I don't have enough chairs. I say, that's perfect. You don't want to have chairs. Sitting down is the kryptonite for a successful gathering like this. People get locked in and they're hard to approach. It's impossible to approach somebody seated almost. I want people mm-hmm. standing. I want them moving around. I want to see movement. So yeah. I've been to parties like at restaurants where you're stuck at the table and you're stuck. Like, and it's like you you want to be open to sitting next to whoever, right? But then you also don't want to necessarily be stuck in that spot for two hours. So that's right. one of my you, pet peeves. Like And that's the purpose. We have to think what's the purpose of our gathering? What's the intent? What is our why? And our why for hosting these is to introduce our other friends together so that people can meet new people, right? That's that's the purpose. And so you so we asked at the beginning like what what's that word for adults meeting new people it's not networking that's what we've called in the past but that's gross and transactional it's not speed dating for new friends there's something in the middle there of that idea of let's host a gathering that's intentional about meeting new people and then maybe you will decide to make a new friend it's up to you if you want to follow up with that person to go to lunch to invite them over for dinner you will do it. It's up to you. But for me as a host, my goal is to help you talk to a bunch of new people. Now I'll move on to the C. The C in my format, N-I-C-K. C stands for cocktails only. No food. This is not a dinner party. Now you can have snacks. You can have salted nuts. You can have chips. You can have dip, hummus, some guacamole. You can even have some finger foods like fruits and grapes. But I don't want you serving food that you have to heat in the oven. I don't want you thinking you have to cater this because those are all excuses. Those are all barriers to you making hosting a habit. They're reasons for you to come up with to not host. I want you to know that the the guests are not coming for the food. You are enough. Your presence and your curation of the hosts, that is what matters. That is why your friends like you. And I know in Minnesota, in Michigan, in In the South, I just had my first reader party in Saudi Arabia. She said, the idea of inviting people to my home and not feeding them is so culturally clash that it's blowing my mind. And I talked to her this morning. She said the party was incredible. She said the party was so much fun. Nobody ate the snacks she had. She didn't need to order the sandwiches. What I find is we eat and we talk when we're bored, right? I think I mentioned this. We eat and we talk when we're bored. Sporting events, loud nightclubs. You're driven to drink to excess because it's too loud and you can't talk. At a party like this, you'll be shocked at how little food people eat and how little they drink as well because they're talking the whole time. So that's the C. C is for cocktails only. And K, K stands for kick them out at the end. The party's only (laughs) two hours long. (laughs) And it's important so you can wrap up and we want to end the party on a high note. We also want to give people an excuse who need to go home for their kids, for their sitter. That's kind of a bummer that if you have a sitter and you have to announce to the room like, hey, everybody, sorry, like, like, I don't know. It's just kind of a downer and it puts it makes people feel a little bit uncomfortable, like they're the bad guy to like harsh the vibe. When we give people the excuse to leave, they will thank you for it afterwards. It also makes it easier for them to say, yes, it's easier for you to wind down and protect yourself and your energy so that you'll be ready and willing to do it again. So K stands for kick them out at the end. I love that too, because that sometimes is is hard and you get these lingering people that like you're cleaning up and they're still talking and yeah. Right. Or what about the guest that likes to stay until 1 a.m.? I'm so glad you asked. Can I tell you how I handle them? Yeah. (laughs) So a common thing that those people will say, they'll be like, oh my God, Nick. It's like like literally as everybody's leaving, they like find me in a corner. They're like, Nick, oh my God, I haven't had a chance to talk to you all night. I haven't (laughs) seen you in forever. Now that everybody's leaving, that's perfect. Let's catch up. And what I say to them, I say, Diana, thank you so much. I would love to catch up. I haven't seen you in forever. Can I call you tomorrow? I would love to catch up, see what's new with you. But I got to stick to my goals and I got to stick to my curfew tonight. I need to clean up and I need to tidy because I have an early day tomorrow. Can I please call you tomorrow and we can continue this conversation? That helps those people feel seen. It mm-hmm. feels unlike you're, like you're not going to brush yeah. them off. And people understand that idea. I have to stick to my goals. I have to stick to my timeline because I want to host again. And they understand that. And frankly, by hosting on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there's very few yeah. people that are going to like... That's kind of one of the reasons we do it then. 
That makes sense. Yeah. So can it makes sense. Can you share with us like a story or a couple stories of some people that you've worked with or advised that, you know, were so skeptical of what you were saying and just had like this fabulous, you know, outcome? Yes. So I'll start with Carrie, who's in Virginia. She hosted her party last week. Carrie and her husband had never hosted at their home before. The only time they hosted was for their kid's birthday. And they said, you know, even at the birthdays, we don't get to create those adult relationships. Many times adults use the kids as a conversational crutch to not really Mm -hmm. create those adult friendships. And she said, you know, we're at this school. We see these parents every day in the carpool line waiting outside. We see them at these kids. We don't know them. We don't know anything about them. We want to host. And I have to admit, they were terrified. She and her husband were absolutely terrified. And the number one fear that a new host has is, will anyone show up? Okay. Mm -hmm. They're afraid that no one will show up or worse. They're afraid that only two or three people will show up. And that this big idea for a cocktail party is only three people and it's terribly awkward, right? They'd almost rather have nobody show up than like two or three people show up. So they were terrified of this, right? And so what we did is I taught her about the idea of the core group and saying, look, let's test your date and time first with your core group. Let's test if a Monday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday night works and pick your date. I want you to text your core group and see if you can get those five yeses. By first getting that confirmation that that she had those five yeses, it gave them the confidence of like, ooh, okay, our date works. At least a couple people will show up. So then she created a page to collect RSVPs. By the way, I don't love Evite. It's one that I've used a lot, but these days I find the site is overloaded with spam and ads. And I want to make it as easy as possible for my guests to sign up and just to say that they're coming. And I want them to be able to easily do it on their phones. The service that I like and use, I have no affiliation. I use it for all my parties. It's called Mixily, M-I-X-I-L-Y. It feels like Facebook events, but without the Facebook part, it's just easy. It's just super simple. And it sends all my guests a Google calendar or whatever. So it shows up with the address. Gen Z loves this platform now called Partyful, P-A-R-T-I. F-U-L. Amongst Gen Z, that's the most popular. The one that I use because I'm an uh, elder millennial is Mixily. And so that's the one I use. But that woman I was talking about, she and her husband, they got the RSVPs. And one thing that they noticed was because people had to get childcare, it took them a couple of days longer to get those yeses. And they were very worried about how long it was taking to get those yeses. And I said, Just trust the formula. The reason that we plan a party three weeks in advance is to give you time to fill up the RSVPs. You know, a lot of people make a mistake. They'll plan a party on a Monday that's inviting people for a Saturday. Really? How many? Yeah. Yeah. You as an experienced host know that this isn't a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. But for many people, it's just they're like, I'm doing it. I'm finally doing it. And they just go crazy and they don't think it through, right? That's too late to plan. People have schedules. But when you plan your party three weeks in advance, you give yourself plenty of time to fill up that list of guests. Okay, so that's somebody. I'm trying to think of another example of someone who was absolutely terrified and then what their experience was like. I'm thinking about the guy who moved to a new town and he literally knew nobody, knew nobody. And he went around and, and, and slid flyers under his neighbor's doors that was sort of um, introducing himself, saying, hey, I'm new to town. Like, I'm your new neighbor. I'd love to make friends. He just listed a little bit about him. And when he walked around a week afterwards, he noticed how much friendlier people were to him. There's a guy named Sujan who just moved to a new neighborhood down here where I live in Austin, Texas. And him and his wife did the same thing. They made little flyers when they moved to a new neighborhood to just slide in people's mailbox, a little bit about themselves, names of their kids, saying we'd love to host you. Doing that when they followed up in two weeks later to say that they were having a party gave people a little bit more familiarity with them. Mm -hmm. And it's that idea, you know, these are some of the fears that we have when we're starting to host and they are fears that are normal. And I just, it, it's one of those things that after you do it, you will have felt like you leveled up in a life skill. It's one of those beautiful things. You're like, oh, wow, I 
it's like my favorite part of the work that I get to do is to talk to people afterwards. So yeah, that's my goal. My goal, by the way, is to help 500 people host a party. I don't charge for this. I'm like, I literally wrote this book. It's my passion project. And it's what I spend all my time on now because it's helped me so much. So what if someone doesn't have a core group? Like I have to believe that there are lots of people that are introverted out there and maybe they, you know, maybe they're working all the time or whatever it is, but they just haven't had that time to develop a core group. So I would say that my work and my book really works best for people that have like at least five people who they okay. could invite for their party. For those who don't have a core group, I've written some articles, which I'll include in the show notes on how mm -hmm. you can build a core group. A lot of the same ideas exist that you've probably heard before. Join a sports group, go to yoga classes, join a church group, start to go to um, community events. I've found some interesting hacks to that. One of which, you know, people say, join a community sports team. Well, someone said, um, kickball leagues are the best ones to join if you want to make a new friend. Why is that? Because kickball teams are the largest and both teams go out afterwards for a drink or something. Mm. So I thought that was a neat hack. Little things like that. The best piece of advice that I could give to somebody who really doesn't have a lot of friends would be to find a co-host, to link up with somebody mm -hmm. else, both as an accountability partner and who would open up your network. Mm -hmm. And you would say, look, I read this book. I learned about this formula. I know I can host a good gathering because hundreds of other. Will you open up your home and your network to me? You help invite people and I'll help organize it. And I've met a lot of people that have been successful by getting a co-host. You know, that's a great idea. And I was actually just thinking of that from Marnie and I doing this. But then if you're, I guess it's kind of nice because if each of you has a core group, then you're automatically those five people in each group, you know, you're automatically like introducing them to five new people, but you each know some people, which just makes it more comfortable to begin with. So mm -hmm. I really like that idea. And it's like also taking the workload off which is nice because I've done a lot of co-hosting with friends and it is, it's just more fun too. Yeah. So great. Yeah, it's tip. nice, right? It's nice to have somebody else and it gives you that sense of confidence too. And what have people, what's been your observation, Nick, on how hosting more of these two hour cocktail parties has helped people live well, I will say, or help people just find more fulfillment and build relationships. Um, first example that's fresh off my mind is that the skill of hosting is something that nobody ever teaches us. We think that it has to be somebody like Marnie who grew up in a big family and that people like her are born, not made. And nobody ever teaches you. You know, she was lucky to learn through her parents and through family. But many people just don't grow up like that. They're like, I didn't grow up in a hosting. I guess I'm not a host. And that's not true. What I found by helping hundreds of people is that this is a skill that can be learned. And you can be the person in your community who gathers and brings people together. It's as simple as a two hour. Use the easiest possible formula, right? Which I found as a cocktail party. How does it help them live well? Number one, once you learn how to host, the next events when you have to host are so much easier. I talked to a guy who's been hosting these parties with him and his wife to make more friends. And they have a kid's birthday that's coming up in three weeks. He said, this is going to be a walk in the park. I know everything to do. It's an we're not going to stress or anything like this is so simple versus what she and I have been doing. This is easy. So that's number one. Number two, your social skills actually greatly develop the ability that you have to welcome, to make small talk, to introduce people, to gather your social skills, absolutely level up. Number three, you start to get invited to pretty interesting events. One of the things is as a host, you become top of mind on people's radars. And when you host a party for 15 or 20 people, just imagine you host two or three of those after a couple months and you have all these connections with people. You start to get inviting to really interesting events. You get exposed to really interesting opportunities and you get introduced to interesting people. So those are some ways I think that it really helps you live well. You know, I think there are a lot of people out there that are afraid to host and are intimidated by it. And I love that your book gives these tips and suggestions that really, really take the fear and stress out of it. So that's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. There is a lot of fear. And for those that are listening, my goal is just to think like, 
I wrote this book for people that have never hosted before. And there's a lot of books out there like Martha Stewart style that are really designed for elevated hosting. If you're doing a dinner party or something like that, that makes the assumption that you're already hosting and you're already a host. I'm actually more interested in the people who never host because I believe it's a skill that you can learn or maybe somebody who only hosts like on a monumental occasion or who rarely hosts and teaching them a new formula of an easy way to host so that you can make hosting a habit. That's that's the group I'm obsessed with. But I think, you know, I'm a hoster. Stephanie's a hoster. I still got stuff from reading your book and I I feel uh-huh. like there's value there especially you know even though maybe I would be drawn to like a Martha Stewart book that has some elevated hosting tips or whatever you called it but like I also I want to be able to host something casual and easy yes. and quick and whatever and this is giving me permission to do that and and making suggestions on how to do that and and how to bring new people in to what maybe normally I wouldn't. And I love I love all those dia- ideas. And I think your book really opened my mind to some of those things. And it's not that I wasn't open-minded, but I just didn't think about it. I love that you said that about bringing new people in and a quick way to host, right? Mm-hmm. There's plenty of books out there that are like the elevated hosting and the placemats, but like, There's benefit to gathering. And what I've found now is that I'd rather host a two-hour cocktail party once a quarter than only host a once a year dinner that I stress, whatever. Like people are hungry for gatherings right now. We need this personal in-person time Mm -hmm. and you will provide an amazing benefit to your community when you start to gather people together. Well, I think that's you hit on community, Nick, and that's something Marnie and I have talked to talked about on this podcast a lot, but even in the last several months and just building community. And that's what people are craving. Like we are innately craving the connections. And you know what, quite frank, quite frankly, and especially after the pandemic, we may have lost touch with certain people. We may have realized that we've moved on and grown in certain ways. And we're looking, like you said earlier, like we're looking to meet really interesting people who are expanding our horizons and that and introducing us to new ideas and getting invited to new and interesting events. And so that's what I think this is doing. And the other thing I'll just say as we start to wrap this up is I felt like when I read it, it like gave me permission to scale back and not have it be the only once or twice a year dinner party because it takes you a week to plan and cook. It's like, yes, you know what? There's a formula. There's a reason. I don't have to have food. I can just do snacks. I can have a start and end time and I don't have to host it on a weekend when people are already really busy. So yeah, I think it's tons of good, tons of good insight and suggestions and things that we just hadn't thought about. You got my whole formula yeah. right there. That's a perfect <laughs> recap. I don't need anything. That's that's it. I'm done. <gasps> Nick, where can people find you and buy your book and connect with you? Oh, first of all, you got to follow me on Instagram because I've been posting great stories that I'm very proud of. My handle is Nick Gray News, N-E-W-S. So add me on Instagram. The name of my book is The Two-Hour Cocktail Party. And you can use this to host different types of gatherings. You can use it to host a housewarming party. You can use it to host a book swap. You can use it to host even a baby shower. I have some readers that have hosted a baby shower with my book. I'll include all those links in the show notes. And even a picnic as we come into summer, whenever this is released, host a gathering. That's what I'm obsessed with. Please let me know when you pick your date for your party, both for you two, Stephanie and Marnie. I would love to know when you host your party. I'm on a mission to try to connect with 500 people who host their first party with name tags and icebreakers. I'd love to meet all you listeners as well. Awesome. We will definitely do that, Nick. So as we wrap up this conversation, one final question we love asking all of our guests is what does the art of living well mean to you? The art of living well for me means being able to spend my time on things that I truly want to do. I don't wake up with an alarm clock every day and I get to set my own schedule. I get to work on teaching people how to host parties. And it sounds so crazy. The people you've worked with, like I talk about parties all day. I think I have the best (laughs) job ever and I'm so lucky I'm so lucky to be able to do that. It's something I truly, truly care about. It's soul-filling work for me. How fun. Beautiful answer. 
Well, thank you, Nick. It was really fun meeting you with you today. Thanks for coming on our show. And we will, you'll be the first to know when we send out that uh, first evite. No, we're not going to use evite because Marnie and I like well, our other generation. If, oh my God, please yeah, invite if, me. If please you want to fly into Minnesota, we promise you will do it when the weather's nice. Party. Yes. Yeah. Please we'll invite wait. me. Please invite me. Don't wait for the weather. That's another limiting belief. And excuse. Okay, do you're it right. sooner rather than later. And we do that in Minnesota because of the damn winters. Marnie, we're going to use Mixily, though, because yes, it's a little bit. We're going to do something even, different. I've, I've never heard of it. It's kind of a small of service. It's like, it's small. They don't fall? have an advertising yeah. budget. Yes, or, or, party, or party. I think Gen we should right. go Gen Z and go party fall. <laughs> <laughs> we're really going to, you know, introduce people to some new apps and, you know, new technology here. That's great. That's great. I bet you're going to have a great party. Please invite me. We will. Absolutely. We will. will. All right. We'll have a great day. Have a great day. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.